We're in the third week of a series called In the Zone, and I've been talking about how some people just live their lives in the zone, and some people live their lives completely out of the zone, and how when we live our lives in the zone, we're in a place where God wants to bless us, because by nature, God is generous. God wants to give. God wants to bless every person in this room. He desires to bless your life. By nature, God gives. God gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, so all of us can have a relationship with him. By nature, God gives. Last week, I talked about the biblical principle of tithing. And even though it may make us a little bit uncomfortable to talk about money here at church, it's still a biblical principle. Money is important when we think about how we relate to God. Our money can help us get closer to God, or our money can help us get and cause us to get further away from God. After introducing this principle of tithing last week, several people came up to me and said, you know, I do that. Just second nature. We just write our 10% every month. No big deal. We just do it. We've always done it, done it for 25 years. No problem. And some people came up and said, are you telling me that, that I need to write a check for, for 10%? And, and, well, that's what God says. And, but, but 10%? I mean, so for some people, it's revolutionary to think that. It's even a little bit scary. And I know there's some people here today for the first time, and you're thinking, great, I'm showing up at church. I'm trying out LifePoint, and the first time talks about money. Isn't that what, what all churches do? Don't they just talk about money? No, this is only the third time in one year that I've even mentioned this idea of tithing. So we don't talk about it a lot. In fact, I don't talk about it as much as Jesus Christ talked about it. Jesus talked about money more than heaven, more than hell, more than faith, more than prayer. He talked a lot about money because he knew how money could get into our lives and get intertwined in everything that we do and pull us away from him. He knew how money could cause us to live out of the zone. He knew how money could cause relationships to end. He knew how money could cause people to become greedy. And that's why he talked a lot about money, because it can keep us out of the zone. There are several principles in Scripture when we talk about tithing. The first one is, first things first. That's the first thing you need to think about when you think about tithing or bringing something back to God. First things first. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Tithing is not just about money. It takes money to tithe, so something to do with money. But it's not just about money. It's about honoring God. Honoring God with your first fruits. Honoring God with what He's blessed you with. Principle number two is bring it, don't give it. Because God owns everything already. God already owns it. And if you remember, last week I drew this little thing. But how some people live their lives out of the zone in this other land. You remember this other land, the land of Ing? What's the land of Ing? That's the land of where, where people are into owning, buying, earning, shopping, bling bling, you know, all that stuff. Lots of Ings. In the land of Ing, where hope and faith and trust and everything's put out here in the land of Ing, completely outside of the zone. In the zone, people understand that God owns everything. It's his, and you can't give something to somebody that's already theirs. So he already owns it. 
All the stuff's already his, and he just says, bring it to me. Bring it. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. God is telling us right there in a few verses how to live our lives in the zone, how to live our lives in a place where the great blessor God blessed, blesses and bless our life so we can be a blessing to others. So how do we be a blessing? We receive what God gives us and we reflect that to the world. That's how we live in the zone or the land of Ur where we become a giver, a server, a sharer, and understand that everything we have is not ours, that God actually owns it. You know, God blesses people with wealth. In fact, if you live in America, you're blessed. You're more blessed than over 90% of the rest of the world. You have more stuff. So the, the people in here that are at the bottom end of the income bracket, you have more stuff than 90% of the rest of the world. You are blessed. So don't think you just have to be showered with all of this financial wealth to be blessed. We're all blessed. God has always wanted to bless his people. When the Israelites were in slavery in Egypt, you've seen the movie, Charlton Heston, you've seen the whole thing, right? When the Israelites were in slavery and they get delivered out of slavery and they spend 40 years in the desert going to the promised land, God continually tells them about what the promised land is going to be like, what he's going to do for them. And in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 7 and 9, it says this, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a land, a land with streams and pools of water, with flowing in the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey. A land with bread will not be scarce, and you will lack nothing. A land where the rocks are iron, and you can dig copper out of the hills. In other words, God is saying, you are going to be blessed. And when God blessed them, he also realized, the same as when he blesses us, there's a danger zone that we can all get into if we're not careful. There's a danger that we're not going to put God first. There's a danger when God continues to put blessings into our life over and over again, there's a danger that we would start to think it's all ours and it's not his. And he knew that with them. He said, here's everything I'm going to bless you with, but there's a danger. And he warned them and he also warns us and advises us with what he said in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17 and 18. You may say to yourself, my power and strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. We must never lose sight of the fact that it is God, the great blesser, that blesses our lives so we can be blessed to bless others. All of that comes from God. Everything you have, everything you are, the what, the when, the where, all that part of your life comes from God. And the easiest way to remind us of that and to help us move from this land to this land is the tithe, is bringing God back what's his. 
giving God our first fruits, honoring God with our first fruits. Living out here in the land of Ing produces Ingers, people that focus on this instead of this. Living out here causes stress. Living out here destroys relationships. Living out here puts you in a place where it's very difficult to bless the lives of others. So we need to move from being ingers to ers. <laughs> move from being ingers into the zone where God wants us to live and realizing that it's his, not ours. I've been the pastor of this church between being the interim pastor and the permanent pastor over a year now. And the greatest thing I've ever did, none of you saw. Nobody knew about it but me. And it was the day several months into it when I realized this is God's church, not mine. And I was carrying it on my shoulders. I was carrying the weight of everything on my shoulders. And then I realized, you know what? This is not the way it's supposed to be. This is God's. I need to give it back to him and stop trying to run it myself. So whatever success and numbers and people and all, whatever comes, comes because of God, not because of me. Whatever doesn't come is withheld because of God, not because of me. And I turned this church over to God and said, God, it is yours. Do with it what you will. And that is exactly what we need to do with our lives, with our stuff, with our finances. Turn it over and say, God, this is yours. I don't own it. I don't rule it. You gave me the ability to produce it. So therefore, it's all yours. The way I view my stuff, my money, my things, my possessions, the way I view that will determine whether I live my life in the zone or out of the zone. It will. And when we get our lives all tangled up in our stuff, in our money, in our possessions, and then that goes away, it, it destroys you. It can completely destroy you if that is what your life is all about. And you think that all of these things is what life is supposed to be about, and that all goes away, then life is destroyed, but God wants us to live in the zone where life is different. Live in the zone where He owns it all. And when we do that, when we move up, when we make the step up from ownership up to management and realize we're just taking care of God's stuff, our life will be different. There will be more happiness, I promise. There will be more joy. There will be stronger, better relationships in your life when you make the step up from ownership up to management. Living in the zone and being a blessing to others can bring more joy than anything else. For several years, the first 12 years of my ministry, I worked with college students. And one time, almost 10 years ago, I got to know this one college student really well, and he needed a car. And I had a 1987 Honda Civic station wagon hatchback, one of the ugliest cars I think ever made and decided, this college student, my wife and I prayed about it, we decided we we're going to give him this car. It was a sacrifice for us, so we gave this guy, Fernando from Honduras, a car. And you would have thought I went to the local Lexus dealership, purchased a $40,000 car and given it to him. His eyes lit up and he was like, thank you for the car, thank you. He ended up driving that thing his whole college career, shipped it back to Honduras. It's probably still running somewhere in Central America today. And I think that one decision that one decision, what a difference it made in the life of one person. And it was all 
just a sacrifice of a few dollars. And an interesting part of the story is just a few weeks, because my wife and I were getting ready for a transition. We were getting ready to move here to Raleigh from there. And in the mail came a check from someone who said, I know you're getting ready to move. Thought this might help out. 1800 bucks. But I know you might think, yeah, right. But start talking to people who have made the decision that they're going to tithe, and you will hear story after story after story just like that. What a blessing to give. What a blessing to be a blessing in other people's lives. I know when I talk to you about tithing, you're probably thinking, well, you know, uh, do people really do that? Do people really tithe? That's why I had Tia Tackett in the video up here today talking to you about her experience with tithing her entire life. That's why I want to have one of my good friends, David Arthur, come up on the stage now and talk to you a little bit about his decision to tithe and how that changed his life, how that took him from being out of the zone to being in the zone where God blesses him and he reflects that to other people. But David, uh, a few weeks ago, you and I were just talking about this series and what I'm trying to accomplish through sharing this concept of tithing and giving and making financial sacrifice for God. And you told me a really interesting story about how when you first started to tithe, how some people came into your life and you and Leslie first started to do that. Could you share that with everybody, how you yep. came to that decision? It was about 10 years ago, and, and we were living in Raleigh, but did not belong to a church at that time, and really had developed a relationship with a group of Christian men who really helped me in many ways, and got me reading the Bible and talked to me about various aspects, but uh, led me to Christ, and you know, one of the things that they talked to me about was giving, and I think I was like most people who got to the end of the month, and if they had $20 in their wallet, they might drop it in the bucket. I mean, that's what I did. Um, but at, at that time, um, made the decision that we, we were going to tithe. When you made that decision, what kind of sacrifices did you have to make to follow God and his request for us to bring him the tithe? Well, it, it definitely wasn't easy at the time. I, we, I was about three years out of college and just purchased my first house, or the bank purchased my first house. <laughs> And there really was not a lot of extra income. So there was no way that I could actually tithe. So we made the decision that this is what God was calling us to do, and we were going to do it. So we actually ended up going into our savings for probably the first four to six months. To some people, that probably sounds like a radical thing. But because of that, you've been blessed. Some big blessings have come into your life. Talk to us about that a little bit. God has has blessed us in many ways. One of those is financially. And I mean, we're very fortunate to be able to give a lot more than we used to back Mm -hmm. then. But even immediately after we made the decision, like I said, it was probably four to six months and I got a promotion, which the increase was more than enough to pay for the tithe. And there's just story after story of God coming through, like he says in Malachi, how he'll protect your stuff. Mm And it, it was amazing. Something would happen. I had a, a good one that happened with a car. Of course, I didn't have any more money, and my car pretty much died. The engine cracked, so I was going to have to buy a new one. And it was in a few days, the car was parked out on the street, and a recycling truck came and totaled it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, the next week, I get a check in the mail for more than I'd paid for the car two years before. <laughs> 
David's profession is he's in banking. He works with uh, investments. If you've got lots of money, you go to David. He tells you how to turn it into more money. And he works with people all day that want to invest money. And when you meet with people that have the financial means to make investments long-term or short-term or whatever, do you see a difference in the people? Can you tell if there's somebody that's dedicated to tithing and giving and being generous versus somebody that's not? Yep, it, you definitely can. And even though we're dealing with people who are investing in 2 to $100 million, it's, it's the same. I mean, it, you can sense the peace that they have. You can sense that they're not worried about what's going to happen. And then the other people, even though they, they have more than they will ever need in their life mm-hmm. to live off of, mm-hmm. they're always uptight. What's going on in the market? Uh, are they going to lose all their money? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's very obvious. Mm-hmm. And, and tithing, I know when people hear stories like this and hear you say that, I know because I used to be one of those people that would think, I'm not doing that. You know, that's, that's too much. I, that's just, I can't get my head around that. Or somebody saying, uh, I'm in debt. I'm, I'm so far in debt. There's no way I don't make enough money. If I start pulling out 10%, I'm not going to be able to pay all these things. What would you say to somebody that's sitting there with those doubts? It was probably easier for me than most people because I had just become a Christian and I had a lot of faith. I mean, I believed everything the Bible said God was going to come through and I think the longer you're a Christian and you're not tithing, I think it's much more difficult. But I would you know, do what God says in Malachi when he says to test him. And the best advice I could give is just to try it for six months and to see if God doesn't just work miracles in your life. And it, that's not to say that people are going to immediately start making a million dollars a year, but he will definitely meet all your needs. Wow. Thank you, Dave. You know, it's always kind of risky when a pastor talks about money because you run the risk of you thinking that that's all we're interested in. But I do not feel like I would be a responsible and effective spiritual leader if I didn't discuss something with you that the Bible talks about over and over and over again. And just because there are other leaders that abuse that privilege to talk about money, I'm no longer going to shy away from it. If you just think about it, it's a spiritual issue. Money is a spiritual issue. It's not just paper. It's not just investments. It's a spiritual issue. And when we move from seeing money as something that's non-spiritual to something that's spiritual, the way we handle it will become completely different. You know, LifePoint is dedicated. The staff, the leaders of this church, we're dedicated to several things. But the biggest thing we're dedicated to is we want to see one life at a time changed. We want to see people come to know God, come to know what it's like to live a blessed life. People that have no relationship with God, we want to help them get to know God. And that costs, the way we do it, costs money. It it does. We want to do it with excellence. We want to do it so the music you hear God's pleased with any music, whatever joyful noise we make. But we want to do it so the music you hear is not just a noise, it's an encouraging noise. We want to do it in a place where you can come and feel a connection with God, where you can bring a friend, you can bring that one person that you know that doesn't know Christ. We want to do it with excellence, and that costs money. 
And so I have to bury fears and concerns that you're going to think that's all I'm concerned about and just tell you exactly where it all comes out financially. You know, you see on the back of your program today, we got the average about LifePoint the last year, what the average offering has been, and it's a little over $11,000. There's 444 people that go to this church. If you average that out per person, that's $24.94 per person that when the offering goes around. And I thought, well, that's kind of uncomfortable. A friend was encouraging me, you need to be bold and just, just talk about that. And, and it's uncomfortable for me to say that, but that's the fact. $24.94 a person. God knew that the finances measured where the heart is. That's a fact. They do. No matter whether you've got a whole lot of money or very little money, God knew that your finances measured where your heart is. And we want to continue at LifePoint to make a difference in the world. And I'm not making this plea because we're desperate for money. I'm making it because it is going to continue to take more finances for our church to continue to grow, go to the next level, and make more of a difference in the world. That's a fact. Things cost money. I want you to think for a minute about a person in your life. Just close your eyes and think about a person in your life that you would like for them to know Christ. You would like for them to know what you have, know that relationship that you have. Think about that person. I thought of somebody immediately. And of course, there wouldn't be room enough for them because we're 80, 90% full as it is. But if If you came and we all sat on each other's laps and God began to get into their life, just think about generations from now. The world would be a different place because of the person you brought to church and you shared your relationship with Christ with them. So see, money becomes something very spiritual when you connect it to that person because it does take money to operate a church. It doesn't take money to tell people about Christ but it does take money to operate a church and a group of people that are all together dedicated to the same thing, changing one life at a time. I've talked to you over and over about Luke 15 and how Jesus is concerned with the one, and that's what we need and should be concerned about. So last week, the offering went around before the message, and that was intentional because I didn't want you to think it was just about money, but there's still a spiritual connection between finances and God. Think of that person. Bring your tithes to God. Give and make a difference.